Ladies and gentlemen, live from the beautiful Victorian capital of Melbourne, it's Raven On, a podcast featuring me, Natalie Bohensky, weirdly not in Brisbane, and Stuart Late, who is in Brisbane. Good Guilty, evening. yes. Hello, hello, Natalie. Yes, I am in, still in Brisbane, holding down the fort. It's like we're in two different worlds, communicating via some sort of magic. A portal, one might even say. Yes. <laughs> uh, an internet broadband connection that could be described as dust. <laughs> I don't know if that metaphor stacks up. But uh, hello, Stu. Yes, just to explain to everyone, we are on Skype again this week because I have ventured down to Melbourne uh, and I am currently seeing the Harry Potter play, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Can I just tell... A humorous story about something that just happened as we left the theatre. <laughs> Please do. I, I feel like people will uh, enjoy this anecdote. So I was just standing out the front, taking a picture of the front of the theatre and going, oh, what a lovely show that was, and, uh, and, and taking a photo. And I was saying to uh, Greg from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast, who is also here, and uh, coincidentally, we saw the show, uh, totally unexpected, uh, no, <laughs> so we're standing there and I was saying I like about the title Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is that it's deliberately ambiguous. You know, who is the cursed child? I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say the show is about or the one of the main storylines is about Harry Potter's son's um, Albus, his friendship with Draco Malfoy's son, Scorpius. So who is the cursed child? Is it Harry from before or is it Albus or is it Scorpius? Like it's, you know, you could interpret that. Um, or someone else entirely, maybe. And sure. I was standing there and said this to Greg, and then this voice came from behind me, and I think she was American, but the voice just went, Harry Potter is the cursed child. Like <laughs> like a definitive yeah. she, slap she's down it out, everyone. of my... Settle, everyone settle down. She's figured it out. It's done. It's that simple. Harry Potter is the cursed one. Get over yourself. You arty, multiple, ambiguous shades of grey person. <laughs> because as and we I was all know, standing there, a good I... piece of art has one unambiguous uh, interpretation. <laughs> exactly, and we'll get into that when we get to Watchmen later. In the <laughs> yes, <day. laughs> uh, it's all about black and white. Um, sure. Well, I suppose at least the Rorschach masks are. Um, but yes, yeah, so uh, that has been Harry Potter. So far, as uh, as we're recording, I've seen the first instalment. The second instalment is tomorrow. Um, so by the time you're hearing this, I probably will have seen it all. But no spoilers, just in case. No spoilers. <laughs> um, but how are you, Stu? How's your week been? I'm very well, Natalie. Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, I haven't gone to Melbourne. I'm. I'm still up in here in uh, sunny, very warm Brisbane. Um, but uh, no, it, it's been a good week, uh, and all the better for uh, having seen two very different episodes of television. <laughs> See, here I am trying to get a little bit of bonding, a little bit of, you know, tate uh, tate happening between us, Stu, just to try and find out a bit more about your life. Because we're, you know. <laughs> no, you see, the, you, the trick there, Natalie, is that um, I don't have a life. I have a small daughter. Uh, so that um, all, all of my stories are I changed a lot of nappies. Stu, you are <laughs> currently raising Chloe Giants Bane, and that is one of the most important tasks as we face an increasingly bleak future, it will be up mm-hmm. to Chloe Giantsbane to axe all of the cowards, the um, <laughs> cravings, the people who lack any kind of political will or fortitude. It will be Chloe Giantsbane who leads us to a better future. And therefore, Stu, you are yes. quite possibly the most important man in the world right now. <laughs> well, that's, that's certainly uh, the justification I'll use going forward. Uh, thank you for that. <laughs> Well, speaking of special little girls with big destinies, let's do what you want to do and talk about his dark materials. Uh, should we start? <laughs> I'll see your segue and raise you a segue. <laughs> I'm all about the Emma effing segues. Oh, absolutely. Um, so do you want to start with your one-minute challenge? This is where we put one minute on the clock and try to remember everything we possibly can about the episode we just saw. So you go first. Yeah, so I've got, um, I have, yeah, so I'll go first. I'm I'm the newbie uh, to His Dark Materials. So 
I had uh, up top, no armored bears, Natalie. Uh, quite frankly, I'm taking points off the episode right off the top um, because just last episode, we finally got our armored bear. And then this episode, he takes his armor off. And I'm sorry, but that's that's ludicrous to me. It is ludicrous. But he's still there. <laughs> he's still there. Cool bear. He sure is, but, you know, like, I was promised armoured bears, and then there was no... After such a big deal was made of his armour last episode, <laughs> this episode, he just like he's just like, oh, yeah, but also I, I can totally take it off whenever I want. It's fine. But, I mean, it made... They had to travel a fairly big distance to go to that abandoned village to find Ghost Billy or whatever they did. Like, he yeah. can't travel as fast with his armour on, surely. Can't he? I mean, he's a giant bear. True. He was able to pull like half the Egyptians. He, he was pulling up, half, up the, yeah, half the gear up the hill himself. Like you know, he's a giant. He's a giant armored bear. And quite frankly, like I feel like I was lied to, Natalie. I feel like I was lied to. <laughs> I was promised armored well, bears, and fifty percent of that <laughs> awesome concept, it was not in this episode. Well, this is episode five. Probably yes. should clarify that up top. But uh, episode five of his dark materials. There's still three episodes to go. You may have lots of bear whooping uh, to come. Look, I'm sure I will, but I'm judging this episode on its merits, and quite frankly, it points off the top, no armoured bears. Anyway, <laughs> let's, right. let's move on. <laughs> I just love the um, idea that people... Wow, another 90 to two-hour-long podcast from Nat and Stu. Oh, 99% of that is Stu complaining about no armoured bears. Me, it's just me just going on and on and on about the fact that there's no armoured bears in this episode. And another thing. And another thing. <laughs> and no, that doesn't count as armor. Anyway. Um, so so then, um, wait, 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 much much like this episode, there is a hard tonal shift uh, in uh, my list. Sorry, sorry, yeah. what was that? I was going to say, I think we might be getting out of sync, so just uh, watch out for that. Uh, if you're listening at home, sorry, blame Skype. Um, <laughs> uh, he does. I was, going, I was going to say that he has a conversation with Lyra about his history and his past with the Svalbard, Svalbard bears. Don't yes. drink and say that. You'll injure yourself. Um, <laughs> and I would say to you, Stu, I put it to you, mm. that he was wearing his emotional armour. Okay. <laughs> See, see, the armor was inside him. See all now, along. yes, I was going to say now that that is, I I would give you points for that if it wasn't a complete and utter cop out. <laughs> <laughs> if if the cop-out. prize, you know, if the prize was the friends we made along the way, you know, like I mean, come on. All I'm saying is emotional armor doesn't stop bullets, Natalie. That's that's all I'm saying. Look, let's go to a firing range and find out. And we'll test. We'll put that to the test. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, and so, as I was saying, like, so that that was that was great. A lot of lot of lot of fun. I, I did I did enjoy uh, their conversation. I thought it was it was cool to see Lyra sort of being all sassy in front of this giant bear that could eat her in one gulp. Uh, but then, um, yeah, the shit got real this episode, which is what I've written here. Shit got real. Um, <laughs> So yeah, obviously uh, the the death of Billy Costa, um, and they discovered him in the uh, in the the cabin. He was referred to by the alethiometer as a ghost, uh, and obviously he's been separated from his demon, which we sort of had already pieced together was what uh, Mrs. Coulter and the and the magisterium were up to in the north with these kids. But this is sort of on screen uh, confirmation of that, uh, and it was rough. It was rough, rough, rough. Uh, really, really quite affecting, actually, uh, it, to the point where, you know, it, it was actually like very, very, almost uncomfortably emotional uh, to watch that, to watch those scenes. Uh, and I wasn't expecting that from a, a you know, family, uh, a family fantasy show with talking, talking animals. Mm. No, it was really sad because I think by now we've, um, we've come to understand what the demons are and how they're uh, your soul. So it's like the worst kind of physical mm. injury you can suffer is, is being away from your demon. Just being away from them hurts. 
them being injured hurts you. So we have grasped the concept now that if you're separated from your demon, it is not survivable. But that's obviously what they're trying to do. They're trying to work out how to separate and, you know, maybe they want them to survive, maybe they don't, but at least the point is can you do it without killing the kid, I guess. Mm. I, I think my uh, memory it seems like seems like the answer at the moment is no. Yeah, exactly. But was was the idea that he had wandered about from, like they just let him go and he'd wandered aimlessly and then found that cabin and just collapsed? Well, yeah, I, I was unclear, and, and that that's the thing. I mean, I'll I'll finish my list, but I I did want to sort of get into that in in the sense that like on the one hand there was a lot of very emotionally affecting stuff in this in this episode. On the other, it was kind of a boring episode, and also, like, a lot of stuff wasn't very clear what was happening until after the fact. Um, like, it, it definitely was not my favourite episode of the series so far. It was it was a bit all over the place. Um, so we, we might we might get into that. I don't know whether you want to do that now, or I'll, I'll finish my list, and then we can circle back to it, but yeah. Usual, I forget that we have the list thing to go through, so finish the list. <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll go through quickly. There's not a lot of stuff... Uh, that I have left. Um, I, I wrote uh, no Mrs. Coulter this episode. Um, and you know what? I missed her. Uh, I didn't think I would, but uh, she is an electric screen presence. And I would have really liked to have a bit of her swanning about walking down corridors. Yeah. Th- there was a distinct lack of corridor work in this episode. Yes. Yes. Not a lot of corridors, a lot of wide open vistas, which is sort of the opposite of corridors. Um, uh, the next thing I had on my list was, uh, turns out witches are flying goth vampire ladies. Uh, which is great. So, you know, that's, that's a whole aesthetic, um, that we can add to the, add to the list of things at our disposal. That's great. I'm very on board with that. Um, and there was, there was that great scene between, uh, I, I've forgotten, uh, Pekafina. Is that, Uh, is that Serafina. Serafina. Pekala. Serafina Pecola. Okay, so I was I was yeah. close. I was doing but a I weird. I do like to call her Pecolina. I think we should call her Pecolina from Pecolina. now on. <laughs> no, well, we shouldn't invent more nonsense names because that will only confuse me. <laughs> yeah, she's a witch, but she doesn't even need a broom to fly. She just flies. That's it. Yeah, and was she was she like doing weird like parkour style stuff off the off the rock ledges and stuff or was i dreaming that oh no she was she's like jump off here yeah. bounce and then twist and turn like like a you know, she wants to make an entrance you know i i respect that she's a, she's a show lady yeah so she a has she woman. sort of confirms a lot of things about the alternate universes to father quorum yeah who had a like a really again like a really devastating sort of uh scene with her where he basically just breaks down Mm. Oh, he's so good, James Cosgrove. He's actually, actually, like, give him props. Like, like, you know, up until very recently, I had only ever seen him in things where he was being a gruff, large man, which I I imagine doesn't stretch his range too far. Uh, But now, obviously, like, you know, he's he's really emoting the crap out of this character. It's quite quite extraordinary. Mm. And you said... yeah, exactly. Yeah, our poor bugger. He's he's just all he's all distraught. It was very very uh, very affecting. It genuinely was. Like I'm I'm making I'm making fun of it, but like he was actually like his scene was very affecting with with with, with his yeah. uh, re, reuni- reunification with uh, Serafina. Um, the other, next thing I had was uh, who is Will? Um, I think it's Will. Oh, uh, yes. Across in, in our world, um, random yeah. kid, crazy mother, who I think is the son of the. I'm I'm really hoping this is the case because the show didn't go out of its way to really hold my hand on this one uh is the son of the missing explorer yeah definitely right. was leaning that way so he's andrew scott's son i guess that's because that's who he's he's grauman in the world of lyra yeah Stanislav Grauman, but in which and will is in our world yes he was i think john parry Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I just wanted to make sure, like, like that. That I, I thought I had a handle on that, but yeah, that that was 
that was all stuff that happened. I uh, think that's right. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll I mean, have more things. Well, just, just in just in in general, like I felt like this week more than any other, the stuff in our world felt like a major distraction from what was happening back in Lyra's side of the of the portal. I, I guess, like I'm I'm quite sure that. Will will become very important later because they basically spell that out for you extremely clearly. Uh, I think one yeah, character even says it to camera at one point, like literally says it. Um, but you know that that's obviously being foreshadowed. But for the moment, like it's very much a distraction from everything that's happening with Lyra and Egyptians. Um, so hopefully that'll sort of resolve itself. That that was that was my take anyway. I don't. You might have. You might have. Uh, enjoyed those bits. I'm not sure. I did. I did enjoy them. I oh, okay. Okay. Cool. cool. Okay. <laughs> and then the, the last thing that I had was um, Lyra is weirdly okay getting naked in front of weird strangers. Um, <laughs> just very calm. Like, obviously, you know, looking around, a, a little bit alarmed, but like, th- they stole her from Egyptian camp, didn't they? Like, yeah. so like, I'm not yeah, sure where the pretense, what, what the pretense is for or, or what any of the, like the lies is about. Like, it just didn't make any, I, like she's there, she's being interrogated. She gets told to get naked and she's just like, yes, sure. Okay. I'm like, fight them. Like kick someone in the shins and run out the door. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. All of that agency she started to show last week. Yes. Is, uh, yes. She gets kidnapped taken to a different location and like everyone's being mysterious again and and she doesn't seem to like the alethiometer doesn't seem to be a part of that yes so, like has she got it with her does she because she always seems to keep it with her now but is it with her or did she because she just went out of her tent to investigate a, weird sound outside and they grabbed point, her yeah um because so they, they show the, her like that they show her getting dressed and like putting on gloves and things so there's there's an a sort of an element there of she she got dressed, but you wonder if she grabbed the alethiometer before she left the tent. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Does she have it? Does she not? Mm. Yeah, it's weird. It, it, it was a bit ambiguous. I do get your point about things not being particularly clear. Well, um, I also ended my list with Bolvangar. Bol, yes, Bolvangar. Yeah. Bolvangar, I think is how they're pronouncing it, uh, which is obviously the the bad place as I believe people like to call it. Um, I started my list with more bear, um, which I was happy to see more of Yorick, even sans. You've taken a glass half full approach to uh, more having more bears in our, in our show. Yep. Uh, Lyra (laughs) saves Billy, but he's already dead. Essentially. Mm. Uh, Serafina, about a quorum pash. Um, and then in the other universes, now this is where the things are converging for me, Stu, because I wrote down Will Reeves, exclamation mark, and I meant to write down <laughs> Will Parry. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to Reeves Will Reeves. From, yeah, this is Will Parry. <laughs> um, and I also wrote, and that chick from Love, ha- Love Actually, who's in everything, as his mum. Oh, that's where I'm. That's where I've known her, and she's also in a very bad episode of Doctor Who. And she's in heaps of things. She's one of yeah, those actresses, yeah. and I don't know her name, but she's in so much in the UK, and she never ages. I'm convinced she's a vampire. Like they Absolutely, literally yeah. have to, like, put her in a lot of makeup this episode to make her look kind of tired and distressed because the character is obviously going through some stuff. Yeah. But she looks exactly the same as she did in in Love Actually, which is 2003. <laughs> she's the, chicken, the people playing along at home. She's the chicken love actually who works with the prime minister who says, Oh yes, Natalie is, is got fat thighs. Not right. thighs. She's very chunky. Everyone's got a huge ass, huge, huge thighs. That's what she says. Huge yes. thighs. About, about the character who is mix. normal looking, like object- not overweight at all. Yeah. Like objectively, a healthy sized, not overweight person. Yeah. A healthy sized, curvy, extremely attractive woman. Yeah, exactly. She's a monster. She's a monster stew. Just a, just a, a giant, blubbering behemoth. That's right, because she says, 
the chubby one, sir. And he goes, ah, oh, Hugh Grant goes, ah, oh, would we call her chubby? And she's like, I think so, sir. Huge thighs. <laughs> but no, Stu, apparently Richard Curtis is a genius writer. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's not like I care. I've only, you know, co-written a show about the whole debacle that is love, actually. But let's move on. Um Coming to Adelaide Fringe in 2020, if you're interested and you're in Adelaide. Uh, Coming back to do three shows at Lafayette, actually, Adelaide Fringe. Booyah. Come see us. Anyway, um, yeah, so Will Parry, why I'm really interested in this, because that Lord Boreal snake guy, he was there again too. They've really expanded, I think, his part or his storyline out. But what they've done is they haven't done – so, you know, Game of Thrones, the first series, was very much the first book. It was totally carbon copy. Um, I think they then melded and merged in later series. This one, they've taken the three books of His Dark Materials as a whole, and I think they've spliced them in together. Oh, okay. So they've brought stuff from later on. Yeah. So we don't meet Harry until book two. You don't meet him until book two. At all. Uh, it's very oh, much wow. all, yeah, it's all with Lyra in book one. It's all Lyra. And then he's introduced in book two, but I think probably for sensible TV dramatic purposes, kind of starting to weave him in now. I don't know. I, I don't know well, if it's too early or it's a good these, time. I mean, the thing is when, when they were adapting it, like a similar thing happened when they adapted Lord of the Rings, where in the books, you follow a bunch of characters for a while and then you flip perspectives and follow a different bunch of characters for a while and whereas in in the movies they kind of couldn't do that and they just spliced all the storylines together so that stuff that was happening at the same time was happening at the same time in the movie if that makes sense right is that what's happened here where like this is this is the timeline like they haven't they haven't messed around with the timeline but we're meeting these characters a lot earlier than we did in the books because these events are happening concurrently does that make sense? Yes. I, think, I absolutely think that's what they're doing now that you mention it um, because I think where they meet, he's had some stuff happen to him and okay. gets to the point and then she's gone through all her stuff at Bolvengar and then they meet. I'm trying not to spoil. I'm trying not trying to spoil. Not but yeah, to spoil so, things, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think they're introducing his journey in now so that when they meet, you're committed to both of them as characters. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I figured. I figured the reason we're suddenly meeting a brand new character is because he might be important to the plot later. Uh, I yeah, didn't well, think they were just randomly like jumping track and like. And meanwhile, here's a here's a low key, uh, you know, slice of life drama about a young a teenage boy looking after his, uh, you know, uh, mentally uh, impaired mother. Yes. Uh, <laughs> who everyone says is paranoid. But she's not paranoid at all. She's totally being stalked. Well, it's um, not paranoid if they're really out to get you, Natalie. That's right. How is the uh, how is the tinfoil hat, Stu? Yeah, it's coming, coming along, along nicely. I'm, I'm, you know, coming up with different models. It's all good. <laughs> um, I have a summer fashion so yeah. line in tinfoil. <laughs> you and uh, Looking Glass from Watchmen. Yeah, yeah, that's so, right. <laughs> look, I, I agree with you. It was... Definitely after last week, it did take a turn down in pace to the point where Lin-Manuel was like almost a physical embodiment of that in that he spent the first 10 <laughs> minutes just being dragged along he by was, some point. He was literally being dragged board. along. Couldn't even be bothered walking or even being awake. Just went to sleep. Just went to sleep. That's not great. Mm-hmm. That, that's not a great sort of uh, thing for your characters to be doing when your characters can't be bothered to get up and be active. Yeah. It's like, okay, but then he's, right. the, he's the one who's very emotional uh, and connects with Lyra when she comes back with Billy. And she spends mm. that whole episode fighting Lord Far and Far Corum for the right to sort of follow the alethiometer. And they have a point. It will take them away from their mission. Um, but they do – by now the whole point of Lyra is that her job is that she reads the alethiometer. She needs to go places. Like she has to mm. follow it. They know she has a destiny that she has to follow, and yet they're like, well, we can't possibly spare you or the armored bear. <laughs> so you can't, you can't go anywhere. 
Yeah, I know. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's that it's that thing in the superhero movies where just to create dramatic tension, they have to have someone in their life who's, like, really against them being a superhero. Yes. You know, and it's like, you know, and it's just, they're, it's just boring. It's boring conversations because as an audience member, you know that they're going to do the thing. That, that's, the whole, that's the reason we're here. It would be yes. an insane show who's like, okay, I want to do the thing. Don't do the thing. Oh, okay. And then they don't do the thing. And they just <laughs> keep keep doing exactly what they're told and they don't do the thing that they're supposed to do. Like, that's not going to happen. So those conversations are boring because we know that they they mean nothing. Like, like they're just there's, there to fill in some runtime and, and to put a block in front of the – an artificial block in front of the character that didn't even really – like matter in the end because then she goes to to Ma Costa and convinces her anyway, and so just says yeah okay I, yeah. I think I should go, and Ma Costa's like yeah right, <laughs> like like that's yeah, what that scene amounted to. Yeah, it, it's uh, crazy. Yeah, it's like really just crazy. just a shrug of a scene. Yeah. Um. No, I think um. It, again, it was all, I think it was more in service of introducing the Will part of the story, which I really liked because I have, I mean, I haven't read the books in ages as I keep repeating, but I remember loving the character of Will, as you're meant to. Like you're meant to love Lyra and Will as what they become the two protagonists of the story. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it. I really enjoyed seeing him come in as this somewhat surly you know, 13, 14-year-old boy with a mum who's, you know, paranoid but is being watched. And Lord Boreal turns up going, oh, hey, um, hey, what happened to your to your dude? So they've obviously found her. Because remember, he, he had tasked that guy, the creepy Steve Buscemi lookalike <laughs> physics guy. He's, He's like, find this. That's a, bit, that's a bit rough to, to both him and Steve Buscemi. No, but you know that what I mean. Like Steve Buscemi has has a has, has a history of being cast as kind of sniveling characters. Has he not? Yes. Am I, no, no, no. That's, that's true. That, that's true. Um, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. So the, the his 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 tech guy. Yeah, someone the the guy who looks so conventionally kind of wet blanky. His his <laughs> his demon is just a wet. Like if he went through to the other side, got a demon, it would be a wet blanket on the floor. Yes. And you'd be like, I thought demons were supposed to be an animal. Yeah, you're so dull, you can't even have any animal. Like a, a slug is more exciting than you are. You get a wet blanket on the floor. Um, but, yeah, so he's, he's set up to be uh, the son of the explorer. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I – I thought I was getting that, but then I was like, geez, I hope I'm getting that right. Because I feel like in, in many ways, this show does hold your hand quite a bit. Um, almost to its detriment. Like a lot of people are yelling exposition at each other. Um, but then in other, in other ways, it, it really sort of asks you to keep up with it. And it's sort of the worst of both worlds where, you know, you could probably do with a little bit of less exposition in certain places, but then like a lot more exposition in stuff like, okay, I need to know what is going on here because like we're suddenly dropping a brand new character. As far as I'm concerned, like this is the thing, like obviously there will be people out there who like, like yourself who've read the books um, and who know exactly who this is, but there will be other people who have not read the books like me uh, who, who are just like, okay, so there's now a brand new character five episodes in who are they? Like, like, who is this? Why, why do I need to care about this person now? Um, Which I think is probably why they, why they expanded Lord Boreal's character. Sure. Boreal. Boreal. Um, why they expanded his character so that you see it through his eyes. So it's him leading to surveil this person mm. who is of interest because he's the son or that and the wife of the dude explorer who has um, 
letters. She has letters from him. Uh, and she initially says, don't, you can't read them, you're too young, and then eventually he's trying to break in to get them. She's like, oh, you can read them, and he decides not to. And we're like, damn it, open the letters, read the letters. <laughs> like, just, okay, sure. <laughs> like, it just, like, such, that, that was such a frustrating uh, thing where you're just like, oh, do it or don't, but don't don't dance around it like this, come on. Well, it ended with, as you say, uh, Lyra getting naked, room full of strangers, and being suited up in the same suit that Billy wore, so no doubt she's about to be experimented upon. Mm. And we will hopefully see that next week. Not hopefully as in I want to see a kid being tortured. (laughs) I don't want to see that, Stu. You can't prove anything. Sure, Natalie, sure, yes. It's it's a good thing to say on mic. I feel like we're both in a mood to get onto Watchmen. So do you feel like we should Very just wrap so, up? Very much so, yeah. I mean, look, yeah, well, I, I think so. I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to shut it down. Like, like, but, but yes, I would like to move on to Watchmen <laughs> because I had a lot more fun with that episode. Um, just, just yes, in general, I mean, like, sure. I, you know, I, I thought the this episode was very frustrating. It, like, there were there were two scenes in particular, like obviously um, Billy's death and and the re- reuniting uh, of um, Father Corum and and uh, the witch lady uh, that was very affecting, um, and everything else was just kind of weirdly um, boring, uh, and it was it didn't grab me at all this episode. I don't know what it was, but it was a massive step down from last episode. Last episode was cool, it was fun. We met a giant armored bear, uh, you know, which always improves things. And this episode was just sort of it was just sort of oh, okay, you know, it wasn't bad, but it, it was like I was just sort of like okay, well we're obviously like moving some more pieces into place. We're meeting a brand new character uh, who didn't, who didn't resonate with me straight away. So I was kind of a bit adrift with his stuff. Uh, so yeah, I mean, hopefully it'll pick up next week. Did you find so. that? Did you like, did you like, you, you, you seem to like this episode a lot more than I did. I, I probably liked it more than you did, but I definitely agree with you when you say it was slower and yeah, Lyra could have just jumped on the bear and gone and brought Billy back and, you know, asked forgiveness rather than permission instead of asking for permission three times. Um, <laughs> uh, but I did enjoy the Will uh, Parry stuff more because of the books and going, oh, they're bringing him in now. This is really cool. And, uh, yeah, I, I look forward to that adding extra dimension into the plot line, uh, hopefully from next week. Yeah, well, but I, it was I nice hope so. To, it was nice to see him as kind of a – like a frustrated boy who obviously struggles with being bullied because of his mum, but also a really caring kid who looks after his mum. And, yeah. um, you know, and she's she had a lovely – they gave her a lovely, I guess you would call it a tick or a, some sort of comfort comforting thing where she would start to count like bricks or panels in the wall whenever she was stressed. She would sort of count oh, yeah, things. Yeah. I don't know what's that. Yeah, and no, I thought no, that I was a really that, lovely yeah. way of – yeah, conveying, I guess, some sort of repetitive activity that obviously soothes her in a certain way. Mm. So I, I enjoyed those scenes more, but I do understand that it is a bit like, oh, out of nowhere. I don't know how they could have resolved that, though, without starting from the beginning with him as well, which just would have been too much. Sure, yeah, and that, that's, I, the, that's the weird conundrum they're in, I guess, adapting uh, a work that already exists in, in that – the, the original, the novels have a certain shape to the story and they have certain characters and it's, it's like how faithful do you want to be to that and how much do you want to sort of adapt it for a different medium and, and to, you know, maybe fix a few of the rougher edges of something, you know. So, I mean, it, it's always it's always a question of when you're adapting something, how closely you hew to it. Obviously, they've made a, a pretty big um, a pretty big change in that they've brought uh, Will in much earlier than what he arrives in the books. But, you know, by the same token, like he still sort of shows up out of nowhere quite, quite a ways into the, into the season. So it's sort of, it's sort of the worst of both worlds where it's like, you know, we're we're fully invested. Like like I said, I said last week, you know, like we're fully invested. We've met everyone we need to meet now and now we're moving forward. And then like they bring everything to a screaming halt. They're like, Oh wait, no, no, there's one more person we need to just put on the board. um, And here he is. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just sort of, it's possibly the worst possible place to have done that. 
<laughs> so yeah, so pacing issues, narrative pacing yeah. issues is what we're looking at with that one. Sure. Um, however, let's turn our attention to Watchmen, <laughs> episode seven, episode seven, um, which I think has, the, I mean, the whole series, I would say, has been beautifully paced and yes, each character so. is being revealed, you know, an episode at a time splendidly. But let's go through our list and yeah, I will start with Watchmen. You go first, yep. I'm new to Watchmen. Uh, so I wrote Cal L. Cal is Manhattan. Yes. Oh, my god. I goodness. should probably say spoilers. spoilers if you haven't seen episode <laughs> seven. Um, I, that was a I fantastic... can't imagine why they would be watching, the, why they would be listening to this if they haven't watched the episode. But, yeah, if you haven't done that, please go watch the episode. <laughs> I've spoiled it for you. But, yes, um, did you see – oh, look, let me go through the list and then we'll talk. But, yes, so yes, Cal yeah. is hidden in his body. Uh, Angela's youth in Vietnam we see through flashbacks. And I've written loved the Manhattan merch. So yes. yeah. the way that – like, if you go to Vietnam now, you'll often, if you go to a market, you'll see lots of stuff about Ho Chi Minh. In the same way you go to China, you'll get little Mao dolls or things like that. Um, but instead, they've got Dr. Manhattan everything, puppet shows and just, uh, yeah, giant Dr. Manhattan billboards. And it, it was a lovely take on what happens with an invading culture and how they then yep. turn that around and capitalize, capitalize on it for a tourist market. It was really... Just beautifully done. I love touches yeah. like that. Um, uh, Angela is orphaned and then rescued by her grandmother, so Will Reeves' wife, whose name I have forgotten, couldn't remember it. Um, so she can't cut a break is what I've written. Uh, <laughs> I wrote elephant drugs. Yes, yes. It turned out. Angela was being fed or her drugs were being pumped into an elephant. She was making an elephant trip or something. Uh, then I wrote, uh, <laughs> smell upon my works, ye mighty in despair. For <laughs> Mandius' impassioned legal defense because all of a sudden he was at trial and on trial from all his clones. And then uh, finally I wrote Lady True Gloats and launches the Millennium Clock. Yeah, she, she had what, what was almost a supervillain speech. <laughs> Here's all the things I did inappropriately young. <laughs> yes, it was, uh, yeah, it was a very cool episode. Um, that, that's, your, that's your list? Yes, that's my list. You go for okay. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I, I had um There Is Life on Mars. Oh yeah, I can't uh, believe I got that. Oh my god. Is, oh, what a great what a what a absolutely perfect because because they've used that they've used that song before in the in the show. So wow. that is actually a callback within the show itself at this point. So that the show's now becoming recursive, which is really, really cool. Um the the next thing I wrote was um what was Cal alive and now he's dead, which is maybe something we can discuss quickly. Like, Cal was Manhattan, but was Cal his own person? Like, was he just, was he a person that Dr. Manhattan created to hide inside? Or was Cal Manhattan? Do you know what I mean? I think this is an interesting discussion because I was chatting about this with uh, Greg from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast. Yes. And, uh, he, his view was he was a person and he is dead now because she had to kill him to get Manhattan out. That was definitely the way that I felt like the show played it in the sense that she kind of she kind of apologized to him and sort of said, I'm sorry. But but then she also said she also then said, no, no, John, you've just forgotten who you are. You know, so yes. it's yeah. And, and that to, to me, that made it like. Uh, David Tennant's doctor with the clock, the family of blood. Sure, that, that's a that's a very good um, comparison. Yeah, when he's he's he thinks he's a professor called John Smith, who's very boring. Yeah. Because and all of his business is hidden in the watch. Um, yeah, I think that's from 
season three. Do you know I hadn't Martin. actually made that connection, but that that's the perfect possible comparison because that's that's literally the exact <laughs> same situation. See, I do have important pop culture knowledge. <laughs> Dan, the smart enough no better podcast. Where, where yeah. there's like there, there is a there is a persona, um, but the the greater being is hiding inside that persona, and that persona will go away, but they were always part of that that greater being. It's it's yeah okay that that that, that actually completely answers the question for me. I'm glad we could clear that up. <laughs> but does it like that? That was my reading of it as such, but I think both readings are. I mean, we'll probably find out next week. Sure. But she said, yeah. the other thing that Angela said was this was just a way for us to be together for a while. Like she she seemed to suggest that it wasn't permanent. They knew it wouldn't last. But yeah. Manhattan does seem to not have known. And then because they brought up amnesia this episode as well. Well, yeah, well, yeah exactly. That, that was the point where it all snapped in. When, when Lady True says it's very rare to have, like complete and total amnesia that usually just happens in soap operas i was like oh shit Callas manhattan like 100 percent Callas manhattan ah see for me i i, I picked up on it when she, angela turned up in her big professor x echo chamber room yes <laughs> that was like that the brainiac what is that thing called cerebro 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 it was like cerebro and it turned out that all these phone calls to Dr. Manhattan are just going to Lady True. Uh, and she says, it turns out Manhattan is right here in Tulsa. Huh? 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 And Angela's like, okay, mic drop, I'm out. She's like, hang on, I just told you that he's right here in Tulsa. Don't you want to know who he is? And she's like, nah, I'm out. And then I was like, oh, she already knows. She knows exactly who it is. But that that's that's crazy because it means she's known this whole series that like she has a god in her pocket oh. if she needs him, and uh, yeah, yeah. she hasn't. She ha- you know it's, well, it's like you know break glass in case of emergency. Sue, if you pick up what I'm putting down, literally in her pocket. Hello, sex scene in the closet. I'm uh, just yeah, saying. Well, exactly. Yes. Um, yeah. And also, like just, uh, other people have already pointed it out, but. It's very fitting in hindsight that Laurie is so attracted to Cal, right? The, she, she's yeah, constantly well, is, she's constantly talking about how hot she, how hot he is. Yeah, and she even a few episodes ago, I think she dropped in on him without Angela there to talk to yes, him about stuff. Yes, yes, wow. So what did Angela do? And um and he and and he said to Angela, I didn't tell her anything. I didn't tell her anything. Don't worry, I'm I'm not like that. And it's like, oh, did he not tell her anything about being Manhattan or he literally doesn't know that he's Manhattan? I think he literally doesn't know. No, I think he doesn't but, know. Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's yeah. a blank slate. Like, like he just has no idea that he is secretly a, a living God. But what are the chances, Stu? Well, I mean, that's true. I mean, look, what? a lot, a lot of, there are a lot of dudes out there who are walking around secretly thinking they're a living God. But, <laughs> you no, know. I, just, I just meant that of all the people for him to fall in love with it happens to be the woman who will then be drawn together with his old ex-flame you know the chances well there's there's that fate there, there's there's doc manhattan seeing the tapestry of of time you know time. who knows who knows what what they're going to reveal about that well yeah so did he know that this would happen so it's it certainly you know, like, like in the in the in the graphic novel it's certainly suggested that like but like the, the the point is like dr manhattan sees time as like a giant like or, or like 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 a comic book like, like in the sense that he can flip back and forth and see things in the past and in the future and he just sort of moves through them you know and so you know he sees things ha- he sees things that have happened that will happen and when they happen to him he knows what he has to do Point of interest, because um, yeah. in in the books or in law, John Osterman, who becomes Doctor Manhattan, he was a white man. Yes. And he well, he, he was a, he was a German he was a German yeah well white man he was a German immigrant. Yeah, and he became a blue man, and and <laughs> he, get, he did yes. I'll get to get to that point because that is also something that uh, our old friend Senator Joe Keane, who I didn't yes. put on my list, yeah, maybe yeah. oh we should fill it. 
Shit, we need to finish your list, Stu. We need to finish the list. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll race through mine. I had a couple of other things. Um, uh, I had the, the secret origin of Sister Knight, which was awesome. Uh, so we, yeah. we get her origin yeah. story. So we got we got her grandfather's origin story last episode, and we got her yeah. origin story this episode, which was great. Um, I then I had uh, the elephant in the room, which is literally what yeah. that was. Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> um, and also, I, I loved. I, I didn't write this down, but but I did. I did love it, and other people have pointed it out. Like. You know, we, we expect to see her grandfather there, and that, that's what Angela sort of posits. But uh, was she using an elephant because an elephant never forgets? Is that what that was supposed to be? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Was that was that just a very yeah, weird, a... sly nod to, to that? Yeah, maybe. It's, it's a cute little in-joke if it is. I don't know yeah. how much of a... I assumed it was something like nostalgia is really dangerous um, and if you are going to pump it out of someone, you need to put it into a big animal so they absorb it all. Well, I think they're not pumping it out of her, are they? They're, they're pumping the elephant's spinal fluid into her. Oh. Is that what's happening? Oh, no, I thought it was the nostalgia being drained out of her back to her granddad. Yeah, but but they explain they explain that to do that that they need a a suitable donor to 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 basically flush her system with spinal fluid is what they said. Wow. Oh, um, okay. And that and that and that flushes the nostalgia out of her system. Wow. Yeah, this I show's weird. That, but... This show is absolutely bonkers, and I love it. So she's obviously like on elephant tracks then. Basically. Pretty much, yeah. Especially because as soon as she rips it out, as soon as she rips that apparatus out of her arm, um, she immediately has a, a crazy flashback. So obviously, whatever was coming out of the elephant was keeping the nostalgia in check. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but that, oh, but that yeah. leads me to my next point. So we we thought the elephant was going to be Will. So where's Will? Like, what's Will off doing? Yeah. What's what's happened to him? He he said like there there was cryptic sort of messages a few episodes ago about you know the final plan being enacted and he seems to be across what Lady True is up to and seems to be like supporting her in many ways. Um, so where's he? Like like where where was he this this episode? Uh, that's that was interesting. Yeah. Um, I I wrote uh, <laughs> I made a bad joke and I'm sure other people have made, but I said Keen wants to join the Blue Man Group. Um, uh, wants to become a blue uh, man. I did not think on that. I he wants to, wants to blue himself. Oh, uh, Stu. Stu. Yes. Uh, this is why we're friends. <laughs> um, but that's for it. That's, that's, you know, I mean, that, that's a huge revelation. And I love that, like, Laurie is just like, oh, are you really doing the monologue now are you doing the villain monologue where you tell me your secret plan like <laughs> but that's that's so much more fun and pointed coming from her because exactly. of her busting all of these low grade low rent wannabes well and not only that but i mean she was a superhero so she has heard she's literally heard super villains monologue at her before yeah that's what I, that's what i mean like it's just yeah, a lovely yeah. It, it just works on her past as a superhero, her present as a superhero buster. It's just like, I am just sick of your shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I love it. <laughs> um, and then I, I, I wrote under that, uh, stay away from that trap door. Yes, which, how good was, was it, <laughs> I mean, it was just like... At the third or fourth button push, you think she would have maybe got out of that chair. She really sat in there wondering what was going on for a long time. But I did love that it took like five or six goes for it to actually work properly. That was great. It was, it was such a fun moment. It was just such a – because it's like here's uh, Don Johnson's uh, wife, or Frances Fisher, I think it, it is, the actor, and it's like, oh, what could have happened? Why would someone want to kill him? He's a very old. What's going on? And then <laughs> here – Laurie going, well, my thoughts are this, 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 and this, and this, and what if, and what if, and what if, and then Francis Fisher just goes, well, that was the plan originally, but then we had this happen. She's like, what? And then just click, 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 click. It was like, <laughs> oh. 
It was great. Yeah, that was, um, a very, that was a very good scene. I'm still a bit confused as to what the Rorschach plan is. I think it's just to try and become Manhattan instead of Manhattan. Is that the idea? Well, yeah, ex- except they wanted they, – they seemed that the implication that I got from the end of the episode was that they are waiting – they're waiting for Angela and for Cal because they know that Cal is Manhattan somehow. Oh. Right. So, so there, there's a, there's a plan to, to both capture Dr. Manhattan, but then also to make Joe Keen into a, a godlike being like Manhattan is. Yeah. Cause his eye is on the prize of taking over the country. I yeah. guess. So I mean, like, so obviously, like the 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 imminent threat at the end of the episode is that there's a car full of cavalrymen, um, outside the house, just like there was at the end of last episode, um, and but oh, now yeah. Doctor Manhattan is is back. That there was a there was a extremely awesome blue glow at the end of the episode, uh, which was very cool. Uh, which which will be very cool because although we, I mean Laurie has is obviously like Silk Spectre, she's from the original graphic novel, but I, I genuinely cannot wait to see Dr. Manhattan. Like he's such an iconic character from the graphic novel. Um, so to have him show up in this series just really makes that connection for me. Mm. Like, I, yeah, I, I really can't wait. Like, like seeing, even seeing all the little bobbleheads and stuff was very cool. Um, I also, I also wrote, um, so I had, I had two more things. Um, I had uh, Looking Glass Lives. Uh, because Petey yeah. finds a bunch of a bunch of dead cavalrymen and no looking glass, so he obviously uh, figured it out. One guy with no hood. Yes. If everyone had a good a hood except for one guy. So has he has has he taken a Rorschach mask to become Rorschach essentially? Well, and, and yeah, that'll, that'll be really interesting if, if he, I mean, that, that could be, I, I actually didn't notice that, but yeah, you're absolutely right. One of them didn't have a mask on. And so like, is looking glass going to show up at the last minute to save the day? Yeah. And, and, and wearing a Rorschach mask, which is quite cool. Cause he's all, he's obviously this, this version's Rorschach. He is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's very cool. Um, and the very, the very last thing that I wrote was, um, Viet, Viet's defense, uh, which was, yeah. An extremely long fart. Uh, but it was so we- it's still so weird what's happening with that because he seemed to be put on trial and he's, well, he's, he's the yeah, that, that's right. wink like telling him how terrible he is, telling the court how terrible he is, and then winking at him, like, don't worry. Yeah. And then the judge or the gamekeeper gets in a whole bunch of pigs pronounces him guilty and then everyone just yells, you know, essentially shame, 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 ding, 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 mm, shame, absolutely. shame. Well, well, this is the thing. Like, I do wonder whether, um, like, uh, two episodes ago we found out that he was on Europa, one of the moons of Jupiter. Um, but yes. you actually do wonder now, like, is he? Or is he trapped in that statue somehow? Like, because there's a lot of, there's that, complete transition cut from his face with everyone screaming guilty at him to that, you know, accurate to life golden statue in Lady True's vivarium. Um, so yeah. you like, you start to wonder like, oh, so he, he's in the statue, right? Surely. Yeah. That's well, that was the other thing is, is he, is he being fed nostalgia and is trapped in a statue? Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Or, or in some way, maybe he's somewhere else, but she's got his statue and he, that we did, I think, comment that the statue is his appearance now, not his appearance. Um, yeah, it's it's not his appearance in his prime. It's his appearance now as an older man. Yeah. So is he, maybe he's somewhere and the whole repetitive thing is him going through nostalgia. I don't know. Does that sound weird? I'm 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 starting. No, to, no, 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 no. Nothing sounds weird like anymore. When you talk about this show. <laughs> like, like, because I remember. I, I don't know whether we. I said it on mic, but I was certainly having discussions with people um, after the first couple of episodes, where I was like, okay, so 
Angela's husband is called Cal. Cal is obviously a reference to Superman. Does that mean like that Cal is like secretly Dr. Manhattan? Like, and I, and I remember thinking that, and, and I've, I've talked about it, definitely talked about it with someone. I don't know if whether I mentioned it on the podcast, but then I, I sort of dismissed it. Cause I was like, nah, that that's crazy. Like that won't happen. And then it absolutely happens. So as far as I'm concerned, all bets are off. Beats in a statue, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's all, it's Why all not? on the table. It's all on the table. This, this show is in, is bananas in the best possible way. <laughs> Yes, I saw you tweet that about it, that it was like a really – because last week was so deep and dark and majestic and beautiful and tragic mm. and all of those things. And then this week was just like crazy, wacky hijinks and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's such a tonal shift. Like, like last week, you know, is, is almost a standalone episode. Like, like it has connective tissue to the rest of the series. And obviously, it's pivotal to the rest of the series, but you know, it, it almost functions as its own story, where where it's the story of of Will Reeves, who, you know, a, a black cop in the in the 1930s, who becomes the very first American superhero. Um, you know, it's its own self-contained little story, and there, there's so much extraordinary things in the writing, the acting, the the production, like the set design, the sound design, like so many things in that episode, it's just operating on a different level. So, I mean, this week was always going to be slightly a come down, but having, like I, I tweeted this out earlier in the year, earlier in the week, like I just, I was cackling with glee by the end of the episode. I'm just sitting there going, yes, they're actually pulling this trigger. I can't believe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just to go back to what I was saying a bit earlier, I think we had to finish your list uh, because I was just trying to work out because of this, you know, we were trying to discuss is Cal a man that has been killed or was that mm. just a disguise that Dr. Manhattan put on? I'm just, I'm interested in that because of last week's emphasis on, you know, the, the, the difficulty of being a black man in a racist time. Mm. And then the idea that, well, hang on, if Osterman, because they haven't really shown Osterman, did they show pictures of him in that? Because that, that episode this week started with like a, here's a bit about Dr. Manhattan in, in Vietnam, like a little info video. Um, yeah, no, they haven't, they haven't, it, I don't think in the, in the series, I don't think they've shown uh, an actual picture no, of him, shown, certainly not as a grown man. Yeah, but in, in canon, he's a white man. And I'm oh, just yes, intrigued yeah. by the dynamic the dynamic that has a white man been hiding himself in a black man's skin or in an actual black man. And mm. so have we now to kill off a black man so a white slash blue man can come good again? Yeah, exactly. Does that yeah, make yeah. Sense? No, no, totally. It does. <laughs> Completely improbably, it t- makes total sense what you're saying. <laughs> I just um, wanted no, to know because I'm like, last week was so much about uh, racism and stuff and then it was like, yeah. hang on a second, so have they – did they make a deliberate decision, Angela and um, and Dr. Manhattan, that, look, if he comes back, everyone will be looking for a white man if they suspect Manhattan. So put on a black man's skin. Sure. Personality. I'm not – again, I don't mean to sound horrible. I'm just trying to go, is that, like, is that cool? <laughs> it's like, don't worry, we'll put you in a black man, but then we can just kill him when he is not needed anymore. Yes, exactly, which is, is- – weirdly appropriate um, for the subject matter i guess well it is but also a bit like considering last week's yeah you know, talk about the putting down of the black man now it's just like oh you're not relevant anymore we need to get the white slash blue man out <laughs> yes <laughs> anyway, that's where my mind goes i was like is that is that cool can you <laughs> are we are we okay <laughs> so hopefully they can explain exactly what the nature of that disguise Yes. Because it wasn't some sort of befunding, like a, you know, where where it's like, oh, I look like me, but I cause a vampiric sort of, what do you call it, like a glamouring. So you look like someone else, but you're actually you, but everyone sees a different version. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, no. She, she <laughs> caves she... his skull in and digs out this little disc from it. So it's definitely, <laughs> at the very least, a skin suit. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, awesome. Any other comments? I just realized I'm starting to fade so badly. Um, it's quite, and I really, um, enjoyed, 
It is late. I, I really enjoyed this episode, though. Uh, you know, again, like you said, not like last week, but just a really tight, fun mm. hour of TV. It's really totally. interesting and different things. And I loved poor little Angela as a kid. She's so stoic. Like, she yeah. never cried. She never, she never seemed to experience much of any emotion either way. Like... She she actively said, "Oh, I want to listen to the guy who killed my parents get shot," mm. and he was just taken off and summarily executed. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know then she became a member of the police force. <laughs> yeah, but that that moment where her grandma arrived to take her um, back, and then she just collapsed of a heart attack. They kind of set that up. She's keeled over. And Angela was like, okay. As a little kid, like, yeah. you know, she, no, had I, a, yeah. she, she had this new life about to begin. And then it was like, uh-huh. No, well, that's- She definitely, and she had that look on her face, like that little little Annie, you know, tomorrow is another day sort of look on her face. And then her grandmother keels over. And I actually, I gasped when they did that. Because I was just like, oh, you, ca- you cannot be serious right now. But I was... I was confused by it because she, I was like, but hang on, she had just had the conversation with Lady True. We said, oh, why did you come to Tulsa? Why did you leave Vietnam and come to Tulsa? And she was like, uh, Tulsa was hiring, good as anywhere else. And then and then they had this where she's like, I'm going to take you back to Tulsa, that's where we're from. And I'm like, but hang on, didn't she just say she arrived there as an adult? But then, yeah, of course, the grandma then, over. Obviously, yeah. So you realise, oh, going home to Tulsa was – going home to where she had some family roots, she had been told. Um, well, maybe. I mean, maybe, you know, th- th- that's what I think the next two. I and mean, there's only it is insane to me that there are only two episodes left. I don't know how they're going to pull it all together. I have faith in the show. Um, but, you know, it's crazy that they only have two episodes left. But, you know, how much did Dr. Manhattan know ahead of time and how much did he tell Angela? Obviously, Angela has known this whole time that Dr. Manhattan is in Cal. But how much does Lady True know? Does Lady True know that it's Cal? Does Will know that it's Cal? Like, and 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 do the Seventh Cavalry know specifically that Cal is Dr. Manhattan, or do they think he knows where he is? Like, like what? Who knows what? And how it's all related to each other. Do you know what I mean? Because when Lady True yeah. started doing her little like exposition speech in the in the Cerebro room, <laughs> I thought, you know, she started. She it was like, you know, this was going to be the big revelation for Angela. But it turns out Angela has known the revelation the entire time. You know, yeah. so what what does that mean? Like, what does it actually? What does it mean? You know, it's it's just. I, I can't wait to see next week. This, this is what I'm saying. Like, this show has just absolutely got its hooks in me in a way that yeah. I wasn't expecting it to. Yeah. It, every time it's Monday, I go, ooh, another episode of Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two more Mondays of that of that feeling. But, um, again, and I think we've been saying this every week, but I'm so delighted by how good the show is. I'm so pleased and I'm so, yeah. as you say, it's got the hooks in and – I just want to see what happens next. It's yeah. um, It's been so much fun. So we might leave it there because I may pass out. Um, <laughs> I, had, I had very little sleep before getting the plane down this morning and then I was walking around the city all day and then uh, went to Harry Potter. So I am pop cultured out uh, and need to go to bed. But, Stu, this means this is our shortest uh, podcast so far. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy, given how much happens in both of these episodes. But, yeah, you're right. Like, like it's definitely, yeah. I'm sorry. We can catch <laughs> no, no, up no. next week. We, we, can, yeah, we can actually yeah, we'll, be. We'll do a bumper episode. Week. Well, chances are, I mean, given that it's the second last episode of Watchmen and that, you know, shit's going down in his dark materials, I imagine we'll probably have lots to talk about as well. So we, we yeah. can do a bumper and episode we'll next week. We'll be back in the same room. Yes, absolutely. Next week. Uh, so yes, we won't have Skype, so we'll be able to do a lot more like bouncing and you know stuff. Interactive. Skype like is it. fine. It's great. 
Yes, exactly. I love the technology, but it, it's frustrating when I'm like, I can't see Stu. I can't see if he's smiling at any of my dumb jokes. <laughs> and, you know, oh, I yeah. need that. Stu, I need that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I know. We, we, all talking need it, my, we all need it. <laughs> I'm just talking to my profile picture on Skype. It's very dull. It doesn't react. <laughs> it's got that weird pout. Yes, that's right, and it's in it. <laughs> and um, covered in cats. Covered in cats. So uh, thank you all for listening, and uh, I will make sense of this in the morning, hopefully, and then go, <laughs> and go oh, I've got to put this up on the internet. But that's okay. We just, we're shooting the breeze. It's fine. It's all good. Um, but we will be back next week, penultimate Watchmen episode and uh, episode six of his dark materials yes six, they're going six, of eight. six and eight. Oh yes six six of eight yes and, but it will be six and eight yes yes six and eight and six of eight and uh seven of eight no seven of nine <laughs> seven oh, of nine God. sexy borg that's right she was too i'm going insane with tightness <laughs> so just Thank you all for listening. We will talk to you next week about more stuff and uh, obviously, yeah, have a chat, throw out some stuff on Twitter. Stu is at Disco Stew and I'm at Girl Ponzi. Uh, chat to us anytime and uh, Facebook as well. And we would love to hear your thoughts and theories about Cal L, a.k.a. Superman, a.k.a. Dr. Manhattan. So see you next week. Bye.